Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Amen. So um, this morning... Uh, how many of us want to live an abundant life? You know what that means, an abundant life? Can, you, can, can I see your hands if you want to live an abundant life? I, I think that's the goal in Christianity, to, to have a relationship with the Lord where it, it's a life that is in abundance. And um, it's to have a lot of. And um, the minute you start thinking of material things at the moment, maybe your definition of abundance and God's is, is not the same this morning. And maybe it is because God is a gracious God. Can we say amen to that? But when I say uh, to have an abundant life with the Lord, it means just to have a lot of God. And, and um, some of us relate the abundance in, in materials and in which it could be because everything we have belongs to the Lord, right? So not one thing that we possess belongs to us. God has given it to us. But when we transform our minds and we realize and we say, God, I want to have an abundant life in you, that means, God, give me a lot of you. God, I want a lot of you in my life. I want a lot of you in my relationship with my wife, with my children, in my ministry. I want an abundance of life. The Bible says that Jesus is the one who gives life. And if you say that you want an abundant life, then that means that you want an abundance of Jesus. That's, that's what we're praying, amen? And um, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33 is where I want to start off. And I know it's a verse that we use quite often, and it's just an introduction. This is an important verse because... You know, as we say, God, I, I want an abundance of you. I want to, you know, see you in everything that I do. This is just going to be a key verse for today, and I hope it's a key verse for your life. I hope it's a key verse for your life. It says, but seek first his kingdom. Somebody say his kingdom. Listen, that's why we're here on this earth, to bring his kingdom. And you can't bring a kingdom you, you haven't found. You can't bring a kingdom that you were told about. I had the honor to go with you guys to Israel. That thing was a blessing. I mean, I'm telling you, I see some people here that, that are here from that trip. I, I could only explain that place, you know, to people because they didn't experience that, you know. And some things you just have to experience it. And you experience it well when you find it. And when you experience a relationship with it. And the Bible says to seek, what does it say? First. If you want to have an abundant life, the first thing we seek after is Jesus, and that's it. Like, to seek after something means that you forget about everything around you, and you desire with everything in your heart to find that thing that is in your heart. I don't know if you've ever played a good hide-and-seek game. How many people have children here? Like, to hide... I mean, sometimes we hide to be found, because you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Because our kids just don't have the ability to find... God's just like that. It's not hard. <laughs> you know, when I play hide and seek with my son, I, I, first I, I don't want to play, so I just do it real quick so he can get it over with and find me. <laughs> and again and again. But the point is, is that I want him to find me. <laughs> I don't hide so that he can't find me. I hide so that he can find me. 
And God, some of us have this relationship with him that you think he can't be found. And the truth is that you're not looking. Because he doesn't hide to not be found. He hides so that you can find him. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Amen. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and what happens? I'm going to give you the biggest secret here, guys. Earth-breaking news. You put God first and everything else is added. I think what Pastor Rigo was talking and saying all the things I've gone through, I mean, the honest truth is the only way I've gotten by is because I've put God first before anything else. Before my wife, before my kids, before my ministry, before the things that I love dearly, God comes first. So today I want you to write this down on your notes. Your belief transforms your behavior. Write that down. Your belief transforms your behavior. The Lord just gave me that, and that's going to be the title of the sermon. Um, your belief transforms your behavior. Now, in the first book of Samuel, we're going to see an individual here um, that the story is one of my my personal stories in my life, just because of the way my, my wife and I, uh, God has used our lives to, to, to bear children. And, and uh, Hannah is a story in my life that, that um, is one that has moved me with compassion. It's transformed my life. Um, when you hear Elkanah and who he is, um, definitely keep him in his prayers. I mean, I can't deal with one wife. The dude had two. I mean, that's a serious situation there. Um, you know, it's, if you missed it, you're going to have to go back and listen to the recording. But um, you hear Elkanah's story with Hannah, and then you hear Panina. Somebody say Panina. Today you're going to label somebody Panina. You're just going to say, that's my Panina. You're going to say that tonight. tonight. Today you're going to be like, that. next time you look at the person that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, you're going to look at them in the eyes and just call them Panina. And then they say, what are you talking about? You say, read the Bible. I'm telling you because uh, it, it's, it's a situation that, and I'm going to paraphrase it and then we'll jump into it here. Um, Hannah was loved by Elkanah. He was, she was loved. But Elkanah had an, another wife. Somebody say another wife. Yeah. And her name was Penina. But Penina had given Elkanah children. And Hannah had yet to be given children. And when it was time to offer up to his wives, <laughs> pray for the guy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. I don't know how these people deal with lust. I just can't. I can't, I can't handle one. Imagine, I can't even, not even because I'm lustful or not. I just see myself and I'm like, I can't provide for two. So I'm just going to stick to one. It's impossible. It's impossible. So here is Elkanah, right? Dealing with two women. Uh, Panina makes Hannah's life hell on earth. Somebody label your Panina. Hallelujah. The Bible says that she ridicules her every day day that she has yet to have children no matter what's going on they're on their way to church to give unto the lord and before she gives her praises unto the lord she gives her ridicule to hannah the bible says that hannah in her spirit was filled with sorrow she says my core is filled with bitterness. She couldn't even think right. You know what the Bible says about bitterness? In the book of Hebrews, Rudy, if you can help me out here, it's going to come up behind me here. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, uh, did I give you that verse? There we go. Hebrews 12, 15, it says this. See to it that no one falls short of what? 
of the grace of God. Don't fall short of it. I don't want that. So how can that happen? And that no bitter root grow up to cause trouble and defile many. Some people talk about God's grace like it's untouchable. <laughs> but the Bible says that don't fall short of his grace. And how do we fall short of his grace? You fall short of his grace by allowing bitterness to be in your heart. Because when bitterness is in your heart, you don't receive anything from anybody. You don't receive an I love you. You don't receive a forgiveness. You don't receive an I'm sorry. You don't, your heart is completely shut and hardened because of the bitterness that is in your heart. And the Bible says that when your heart grows weary and cold and hard, not even the grace of God can reach you. It's not my words. So the next time you see your panina, call her panina and just lift your hand up and say, I bless you, panina. I bless you. Jesus, don't look over to the person next to you right now, but I saw some of you looking over, and I'm like, no, don't do that. Let's jump into this verse 6. It says, and her rival also provoked her severely, and this is the New King James, to make her miserable. Like, you make my life miserable. In Spanish, me hace la vida un yogur, like miserable. Like, when I look at you... I, I just, it just rises within me and you make me a person that I'm not even, I don't even know. <laughs> Jesus. Sometimes I look at my wife and say, honey, I love you, but man, you make me sometimes a person that, you know, if, if, if I have some real people, can I have some real people? Yeah, real people. This is what I need to talk to real people. Because people come to church thinking something which isn't true. The reality is that we fight. We scream, we have disagreements, but we love a lot. We love a lot. And I've, I've been with her probably more than my life. I've been with her since I was 15 and I'm 42. So, so she, the Bible says that she would provoke her and make her miserable because the Lord, what did the Lord do? He closed her womb. I want to let you know that God is sovereign and he knows what he does in our lives. And I want to let you know that if you recognize and you understand that and you really believe that, then your behavior changes. Because if you really believe that it's the Lord that closed the womb, then the Lord can open the womb. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Amen. If the spouse is the way he is and the Lord allowed it, and you know what? You know who can change it? The Lord can. If the Lord is sovereign, he does what he wants and how he wants, then our job to believe is to change our behavior and say, Lord, if you've allowed it, you got something behind it, and you're going to work something through it. We're just starting. I got a little pumped up for God's word, you know. The Bible says that the Lord had closed her womb, verse 7. So it was year by year, every single year. Somebody say every year. Every year. When she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. She was sorrowful, man. She was bitter. She was angry. I hope that the Holy Spirit just really, really ministers to your heart today as a word comes forth. Verse 8, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, mi amorcito, 
my love, why do you cry? What's wrong? And he goes on in this parade of questioning her, but why? And then he thinks he's the last Coca-Cola in the desert, and he says, I are enough? Ain't I enough for you? And I want to tell you today that there is nothing that could meet your desires that demand a supernatural touch of God of. You can't fill it with a man. You can't fill it with a substance. You can't fill it with a ministry. You cannot fill a void, a desire that you have that only God can fill. Nothing can do it. Only God can. And people have, uh, you know, and, and people, God bless their hearts, man. I've gone through some serious stuff in my life. I've, I've gone through major loss in, in, in my life with my wife. And, and a lot of you know my testimony. We've lost six children. I mean, it's, it's just been uh, uh, one thing after another. But God is God. And then church, church, churches, church, <laughs> churches feel their problems. I mean, you know, it just is what it is. Like, if you think about it, if you're sitting here, how many of us have a problem? Raise your hand if you have a problem. You better raise your hand today. I'm telling you right now. Because <laughs> I need to have a meeting with you. Now, just think about it. We all have a problem. Now, I just said a problem, you know. And most of us have more than a problem. Now, put those bad boys together. We outnumber the members by I don't know what. Like, problems outnumber members. So you can only imagine what the church has brought, right? And here, Hannah says in verse 9, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating, after Elkanah says those beautiful words, am I not better to you than ten sons? No, you're not, brother. Not even close. Your perception of who you are is way off. You're not good enough. You're not, you're not that good. You're not that good. And then it says, verse 9, it says, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, now Eli, the high priest, was sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And verse 10, I want you guys to read this and read this well. It says, and she was in bitterness of soul. And what does it say? And she what? Let's, you know, I want you to understand what you're reading here. Her soul is bitter. She is one angry woman. She's got problems. She, she feels, you know, if you've ever had an issue with childbearing, I mean, only, only if you've gone through it can you understand what I'm saying. She's a bitter woman. My wife, she's a nurse. Do you know what she's a nurse in? She's a mother baby nurse. Her job is to deal with babies for the last 20 years. I gave her a lot of, you know, I prepped her for that because she dealt with me for such a long time. She deals with babies her whole life. And in the beginning of our marriage, she couldn't bear a child. Everyone in my church was having a child. Except us. And if you allow the enemy to come in, the root of bitterness will grow into a tree. And she says, my heart is filled with bitterness. But I believe that if you believe, it transforms your behavior. And here we go. You ready for this? She prayed. How many of us, when we have bitterness in our hearts, what's the first thing we do? 
We find the buddy to rally up against us and, and add on to our bitterness. We don't call the right people to pray for us. Some of us do. But do we really go to the altar of God when we have bitterness? Today's sermon is about reality, like the real people in the church. People that are filled with stuff that life brings them, but they can yet still come to the altar of God and say, God, here I am. And that shows that her belief in the sovereign God transformed her behavior. She didn't go outside of the house of God when she was filled with bitterness. She didn't go plan a, 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 a hit on Panina or she didn't plan to take her out. She, she, you know, she probably had the authority to do so, but what she did do is she sought the one who can change the situation. And that was God because he was sovereign to her. If you know God as a sovereign God, as a God who does as he pleases for your good, then you surrender to him and you say, God, teach me. I come before your presence. Why do I have this sorrowful heart, God? Why? The book of John chapter 3 verse 30 says, Lord, increase so that I can decrease, God. And she knew that the only way that she could receive for God if she releases it. I repeat that. The only way you receive from God is when you release what you have. You cannot receive and hold on to. The Bible says that he grows greater when you become less. That means that he cannot have you in the picture. You need to remove yourself. And Hannah says, God, if I'm going to receive my blessing, I must decrease. And I cannot decrease if you don't take this sorrowful spirit without, without me. Take it out of me, God. I can't deal with this, God. So she prays, remove this from me. Now, we're going to get to a very important part of the story. The Bible says, and she was, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Has anyone ever been here? No, let me see your hand. Shame the devil and tell the truth in the house of God. Bitter, like anguish. And you probably say to yourself, I don't even know why I'm praying. But you're praying <laughs> because you know God. And you're mad with God and, and, and all you want to do is run from God. But where else can you go because he's the one with the word of life, right? And you want to leave God and you want to do it your own way and you can't. And all you can do is pray. You pray angry, but you pray. You come to church angry, but you're in church. Don't ever stop doing what God has called you to do despite how you feel. Because he's the only one that can turn that thing around. Give the Lord a clap offering like you really mean it, amen. Then, of course, she believes. She believes. And she says that, the Bible says that she made a vow unto the Lord. And she says, O oh Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me. I want you to highlight remember me because we're going to jump back onto that in a little bit. Remember me. This story has great, great, great importance because, look, if you think that the miracle was that God blessed Hannah with a child, I want you to expand your understanding because it's not just that. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen fevers vanish and right before me. I've seen people start hearing in front of me. People start seeing in front of me. I've, I've seen wounds healed, cancer. I've seen that stuff. To me, it's not hard for the blesser to bless. That's easy. You know what the problem is? is that we remember the blesser and not focus so much on the blessing. She says, I make a vow to you, Lord. 
if you blank 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 I will blank 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 a vow unto the Lord in the Bible there was 10 lepers and the Bible says that all 10 lepers came to Jesus and when the 10 lepers came to Jesus they all came to him and they sought healing and see the healing is not the hard issue we sometimes think that what we're going through is the hard issue for God to heal, and it really isn't. It's easy for the blesser to bring the blessing. To say you're blessed is normal because we serve a God who blesses. My question is, do we remember God when he blesses us? Because out of the 10 lepers that were healed, how many came back? One. And then you know, do you know what Jesus says about the one? He says, nine people were healed, but one was made whole. That gives me some, I said that and I have chills in my body when I said that. One was made whole. You know, the church sometimes is filled with individuals that just want blessing and they don't want to be made whole. And that's the truth. Because you know God is good and God is great and God is easy to answer. And we fill our lives with so much blessings. But you know how many times people say, I'm blessed? I want to say, I'm whole. I'm whole. Blessed? We know we can be blessed. Blessed is like anyone says, I'm blessed. That's a cool thing to do. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yes, I'm blessed. Blessed. Everyone's blessed. But are you whole? When you put your head on the pillow, are you whole? Or is anxiety killing you to death? You want a car and you want a house, but you want to be crazy and you want to hate your, your wife and your life. But you're blessed. I want to be made whole. But the people who are made whole are those who return to the Lord. And not many people remember the Lord. The Lord never forgets about us. But sometimes, in all honesty, we may forget about the Lord at times. So remember to always come back to him. We'll keep on reading here. Um, Verse 12 says, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was. Eli thought she was. You know, in Spanish, now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the Lord. The Lord is just expanding for those people who know me. Like, I'm having to now preach in Spanish in our Spanish church. And when I prepare my English sermons, no matter what, I go back and I read it in Spanish. The Bible says que, that, that Eli thought that she was borracha. And I thought it was an awesome, better description. Like, I can relate to borrachos because my dad was a borracho his whole life. She was drunk. The Bible says to leave the cerveza, that's what it says, leave the beer, like the, the alcohol, the wine, leave it alone. That's what Eli told her, leave it alone. But, I, but, you know, it's interesting because when you understand what you're going through, not many people understand that and they judge you. When your life has created tears in here and they start coming out, some people don't understand it. You know, desperation is hard to explain unless you're going through it. And when you're desperate, you'll do just about anything. If you do the research, you'll see that, that commentaries um, compared this woman to a daughter of Bilal. 
which meant a, a, a god of, of alcohol and liquor. And she's trying to explain to Eli, there's nothing wrong with me. I just need God. I'm praying unto the Lord. And I believe it was something prophetic that Eli needed to see and watch because in his ministry he needed to do the same and he never did it. And God was trying to show him at that moment that that's how he needed to act with the Lord because his sons destroyed the temple. And here Eli is seeing this woman coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm sure she was moving her hair. I mean, how many people have seen a drunk person act? you never seen anybody drunk? Come on, church. You know they're drunk. They do the most craziest things. And this is what she's doing in the house. Her situation drove her to act crazy, but she was just seeking God. And sometimes people won't understand what you're doing and how you're doing it because they're not desperate like you. Don't let anybody question how you seek God. Pour your heart out before God. The, the situation is that when you need God, you're going to do whatever it takes to get his attention. And here she is in the, in, in the sanctuary of God crying out. And she's pretty much telling Eli, it's not about me. I'm trying to take what's in here out of here. I'm trying to decrease so that he can increase. I need to remove this in my life. And that's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to remove from your heart something that doesn't belong there. But when you believe... It transforms your behavior. And here is this woman believing in God and saying, God, I'm before your presence. Here I am. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, here we go, my Lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. You want to know what pouring out your soul before the Lord looks like? It isn't pretty. As a matter of fact, I dare to say that this place might not even be the place for that. It's in that quiet place at home where there's no one there and you pour your soul out to the Lord. It's not pretty. To seek God, for him to become greater and for you to become less, there's nothing pretty about that. It's hard. You got to dig deep and remove things that don't belong. It's not easy. And if you've been there before, you know what I'm talking about. So look how small Eli feels now, right? Here's Eli judging her, and she says, I'm just pouring out my soul. And he says, I'm just kidding. I am just, I'm, Eli's pretty much coming up before her and saying, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, girl. You can keep doing your thing with the Lord. I'm, forgive me. Just act like if I didn't even tell you anything. Look what he says. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, she's saying, for out of the abundance of my complaints... And grief, I have spoken until now. And I want you to hear this, verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, 
What does he say? Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant you petition which you have asked him. Please listen to this next verse. Verse 18. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, ate, and her face was no longer sad. How many of us know that all we need is a word of God? That's all you need. All you need is a word of God. The word of God came through the servant. It wasn't even God himself. She was miserable. She was in sorrow. She was down and out. She was a hot mess in the church. She shares her heart to the priest, and the priest says, may God grant you what you've been praying for. And she says, well, that's all I had to hear. I'm out of here. The Bible says that she, she started to eat because she hadn't eaten, and the Bible says that her face was no longer sad. The word of God has enough power that can overcome anything else you're desiring or that you need. When you hear the word of God, you don't need a test result. She dusted herself off and said, that's all I needed to hear. Let's go eat. Come on, let's do this. The word of God is a promise of God. The word of God never comes out void and never comes out without any promises. God's word is spoken for a reason. You must understand that when God speaks, it's connected to a promise. Look it up in the Bible. Nowhere does God talk that there's not a promise connected to it. Seek me first and the kingdom of God and his righteousness and. So if you want that stuff, what do you need to do? Seek him and his righteousness. See, here's the thing. We walk into this church and we leave the same. How is that possible? How is it possible? How is it possible that the word of God comes down and, and we hear it and we receive it and we leave the same? That's not what happened with Hannah. All she needed was a word of God. That's all she needed. A word of God transformed her life. That's all she needed. She didn't need a good children's program or a, a section for the kids, and she didn't need certain things that we put before the Lord for him to work and for us to, no, no. All she needed was a word of God because a word of God is truth. It's powerful with a promise. He is not man that shall lie. It is yes and amen. And if God said you're going to have a kid and it's going to be granted unto you as you prayed for, that's all I need, Lord. We don't go home with a calendar and start counting the days. Lord, it's one day. You got to do it. Lord, it's, it's been a week. You haven't done it yet. No, no, no. The Lord said, and as you desired and as you prayed, it shall be granted. She said, that's all I need. Somebody say, that's all I need. That's all I need, a word of God. That's all I need. I don't need to be best friends with the people in church. I don't need, I don't need to have to go out with the pastors for lunch. I don't need to be part of any ministry. All I need is what? A word of God. I get a word of God and that's enough. It conquers everything I feel and everything that I know because it goes against it. The supernatural word of God goes against every natural feeling that I have. All I need is a word of God. What is all you need? A word of God. A word of God. I've heard God tell me some crazy things. Crazy things. Crazy things. I said, Lord, if you said it, you said it. And I love this because when we truly receive the word of God and we really believe, it transforms our behavior. She heard the word of God and it changed her behavior because she believed it. She believed it. 
In the book of Luke chapter 5 verses 4 through 6, it says, uh, there's a story there, and um, Jesus approaches uh, some fishermen that are on the seashore, and as he comes to the seashore, um, anyone have a boat in the house? Boat, boat owners? We've got to pray that the Lord start releasing some boats up in this place. <laughs> you guys don't know what you're missing. Well, I, I, I do own a boat uh, through my dad, and that's a tremendous blessing. There's some things you just don't lend out. How many people lend their cars out? You don't lend your cars out. You don't lend your cars out, right? There's certain things you just don't lend out. Yeah, yeah. Your wife, right? There's, there's a Spanish saying. Yeah, that's a. T- <laughs> ah, Jesus. Now, now watch this. Um, Jesus comes up to the shore, and he tells the the fishermen that are there. He says, um, "Can I get on your boat here?" And the fisherman had a decision to make. It was either what? Yes or what? Or no. I want you to know that we have that same invitation with many things that are very dear to us. The boat represented their life. It's what they did. It's how they survived. The boat was, they were fishermen. That's how they, you know, I'm a fisherman, you know, that's who I am. Who are, you know, that's what I do. It's like a mechanic giving away his, lending his tools. You just don't do that. And they had a decision to make. Do I give the opportunity for this man that I do not know to get onto my boat? Their answer was yes. So Jesus pulls out to the shore. He starts preaching the word of God. The Bible says that Peter was sitting there doing what? Hearing the word of God. When Jesus was done teaching, scripture clearly says, and you can look it up in the book of Luke chapter 5, It says that after he was done speaking, Jesus turns to Peter and says, cast your net. Some of us are like, just do it. But you see, they had already done that. They had already gone fishing. The Bible says right before he got on his boat that they had cleaned the nets. How many people know that cleaning up after you fish is a mission, right? You don't want to go fishing for like days just because of the cleanup and everything else. But you pay the price because you love it. Hallelujah. And Jesus is saying, I want you to grab what you failed at in your own strength. And I want you to throw the net out right here. And then Peter started getting into a verbal discussion with Jesus. How many people get into verbal discussions with Jesus? I get into verbal discussions all the time. If you're too spiritual for that, then I don't know what the situation is here. Pray for me because I'm always in a discussion with Jesus. I'm like, but what are you talking about? But how is this possible? But why? But Lord, until... I say what Peter says. Peter says, I don't understand what you're trying to do, Lord. But at your word, I will do it. Because all Peter needed was what? His word. That's good. All he needed was his word. When he received the word and he knew who it was that was speaking, he says, where would you like me to throw it? How many times and what? Do you want me to do like jumping jacks on the boat? You want me to do some yoga, Pilates stretches? What else do you want me to do, Jesus? Because whenever you say to do something, you, you come through. And I'm here to tell you today that whatever it is that you feel that isn't working, that you've cleaned up and you've put away, when Jesus is involved and his word comes forth, bring it back out and use it because you're going to be blessed. Give the Lord a clap offering. Help me out. I'm going to go back up here. And then it says, Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. 
And he turned and came to the house of Ramana and Elkah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Can you put up verse 19 for me, please? Because this is where it's going to get real good. Tito, can you come up and help me out? Tito, yeah. It says, early the next morning they arose and worshipped the Lord. Can you say amen to that? They arose and they worshipped the Lord. I think nothing was wrong between them. They didn't have any more issues at this time. Eli stopped judging her. Hannah was like, all right, cool. He understood my heart. We're going to move forward from this. Let's go worship together. We're good. I'm going to move forward. And it says that they did this before the Lord. And it says, and then went back to their home. And this is the home of Hannah and Elkanah. And these are husband and wife. And it says this, Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah. I mean, we're all grown adults here. It says it in the Bible, and this is, it is what it is. And the Lord remembered her. Oh, Jesus. How many of us think that that was easy? That was easy to do. It says that Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah. You won't understand this if you've never been here, what I'm about to say. But the way I do this is the only way I do it, and it's being real and honest. The Bible says that as they went home, the Lord gave her a word. And the word was that she would have a son. So how do you have a son? There's only one Mary, guys. It's going to happen again. And by the way, she didn't die a virgin. She, she didn't die a virgin. She had many children after that. There's only, you guys know, right? When that man looked at his wife and the wife looks at his man, it is a moment that she had to make a decision. Is it true what he said? Is it true? I remember every month passing by as my wife and I were trying to have children. And that day would come, and we'd obviously know that it didn't happen again. And it brought pain. See, because when we try to do things and they don't work out, you want to stop trying. You don't even want to go down that road. It's like you, the Lord gave you a word, but now you have to go against what you've been feeling all this time. All you've known is failure with this man. You've made love to this man, I don't even know how many hundreds of times, and nothing has come out of it. But now it's different because God gave you a word, and she saw her husband, and I, I wasn't there. And I really don't have a clear eyewitness on it, but I can only imagine how that night was for her. Was it, God, it's here. I know it's happening, God. It's going to happen here. You gave me the word, God. It's tonight's tonight, God. Here it is, God. You told me to throw the net out. I've been fishing all day, God. And you tell me to throw the net out, and I'm going to throw it out because it's at your word, and I'm going to do it. So 
It's not only about God speaking to you and giving you a word. It's about you seeing it and saying, Lord, I believe it. And because I believe it, it's going to transform my behavior. And I'm going to do it, God. If you told me you're going to have a child, as much as it hurts and as much as I doubt, I'm going to lay with my husband, I'm going to make love to him, and I'm going to wait on you. And then here comes the 20 days to wait. 25 or however much it was, wherever wherever she was in that in the, in the cycle some people heard the word and hear the word and when they see the challenge before them the challenge that has only brought pain and everything else you step back and say I ain't doing that I'm not doing that the intimacy that is ruined between marriage, the frustration that occurs with your, with your job and your, your life because you failed. The question is, do you believe in the word of God that he whispered in your ear? Because if he whispered it in your ear and you know he's sovereign, that he's the one that closed the womb, then who's the only one that can open it? You washed up the net and you called it quits. Look deeply into the eye of the person next to you. Tell them, bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Want to hear a true story? I've been with my wife for a long time. I told you that already. And um, at the age of 15, I met her, and the minute she opened up her mouth, she, she got me. My desire was to meet a woman that loved God and sung because I knew I was going to be a pastor at a very young age. I was dating her, one of her best friends at the time. True story. She says, I have a friend who's Christian. I said, do you? You know, when we come to the Lord, you know, we're, we're testing the waters. You know, I, I wasn't fully, you know, all in. You know, I was young. And she took me to her house. And, and that's where I met Rigo. At, I think at the age of maybe 11 or something, 12. And she says, oh, my friend sings. I said, does she? So she put on a track, a cassette, for those people who don't know what that is. Thank you. I appreciate it. Set, remember that? She put that thing on, and the minute she opened up her mouth, I said to myself, Whoa. I left that night. Her mom looked at her and says, That man, you will marry. That night. I served the Lord my youth, my years, and when I got married, I thought everything was as good as it can get. I went on my first missions trip that I've, since that point, I've never stopped doing missions in my life, and I'll continue doing that till I see Jesus. And I went to Bolivia. I was in the streets of Bolivia with kids that could barely walk. They were so young. They couldn't walk, but they could hold a glue bottle to their nose because they were high on that stuff. I went to a corner and I wept. 
I got home, I was married at the time, and I told my wife, it's time to have kids. She says, you sure? I said, yes. Our first pregnancy, she had an ectopic pregnancy. She lost her two. Second child, we lose. Then Aaliyah came along. After Aaliyah, we lost four babies. After we lost the fourth one, I was preaching at a church. I was in the back minding my own business. Somebody say, minding my own business. I came to preach and that's it. But God, because he has a sense of humor and he just wants to call people out like he likes to do. I'm in the corner of the church and this man who is today a pastor in one of our churches in, in California. He was a regular church member at the time. He grabs the microphone and he says these words. Anhelas tener un hijo y yo te lo daré. I will give it to you. I could barely get through that service that night. So guess what I had to do? I had to go home and know my wife again. In the midst of desperation. And believe what was spoken. But when you believe what was spoken, it transforms your behavior. And it doesn't not only transform your behavior till you get it immediately. It transforms your behavior that, Lord, if it didn't happen this time, it'll happen the next. And if it doesn't happen that time, Lord, you're sovereign and you're going to bring it through. But what you whispered in my ear, you're going to bring it. Today I have a picture of Lucas's face as a baby with that verse, that, that's, that, that prophecy where it says, you desire to have a son and I shall give it to you because that was my prayer. You guys understand the message this morning? God's spoken into your lives. I'm sure of that because God is not mute. Don't let what you're going through, don't let your circumstance prohibit you from being blessed by his promises. Don't allow it. And when God blesses you, bring it back. Bring it back. The Bible says that when she received the child, the son, she wanted two years. This is crazy. I would have been like, have this child now. If you're a mother, you may understand what I'm talking about here. I don't know what this, what I'm about to say, I don't know what it is or how it feels. I just read it and my wife is a nurse and she does mother baby. But when you wean your child, you connect to your child. And she says, I'll take them in the second year. That's two years of weaning. The connection is stronger than ever. And she says, on the second year, I will walk up to the Lord and I will give him what he gave me. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Sure you are. And on the second year, the Bible says she walked up that mountain to the sanctuary and she placed that child before the Lord. And she says, because you did, I'm going to do. That's the miracle of this story, guys. You think the miracle was because he healed her womb? Wasn't it? The miracle was when she says, because the Lord blessed me and because he remembered me, I will remember him. That is the miracle. 
The miracle is when we come back to God with what he's given us. And I'm telling you today, you may have more if he could trust you. You may have more if he could trust you with it. Will you bring it back? That's the miracle. Will you bring it back? You know how, much kid, how many more kids she had after that? Five. So where's the miracle for real? It's not about having kids. God can do that. God can heal. God can, God can do all those things. The miracle is, is that when we reciprocate his miracle and say, God, here it is. I die to myself. I decrease so that you may increase. Here it is, God. Now have your way. Now prove to everybody who you are. Now show Panina who you really are, God. Because when she walked down from that mountain, although she was a mother, she didn't have a child with her. I'm here to tell you that God will give you a hundredfold of what you give him. He'll give you a hundredfold back. You have to sacrifice to receive. Can you imagine the walk that Hannah had from the sanctuary of giving up the child she so desperately wanted to go back home to Panina? I feel like jumping. I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but this word is serious. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and say, God, why am I here again? Why am I here again? And I tell you these words, do you not remember what he's done? I'm just about done today. But I ask you today, do you really believe? I'm not going to say you do or you don't. But what will prove your belief is your behavior. Your behavior. Do you really believe for your husband? Do you really believe for your son? True story. After the Lord gave me the son I desired, he brought him with autism, high-functioning autism. But Lord, what? So I'm walking right back to his throne and saying, here he is. He's yours anyways. Listen, God is a sovereign God. And if you believe that, then the circumstances that you're in is just a, it's a platform for his glory. So I end with this. The Bible says, can you put that verse back where it says that? Oh, it's there. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Here's the word. Here's the promise. I end with this, and I want everybody to listen very closely here. There is nothing that will prosper unless the promise of God is backing it up. Nothing will prosper unless the promise of God is the foundation of it. The only difference that will change your circumstances when God is behind it. What's the difference between this time and every other time 
that they've made love. What's the difference of this time that I throw my net out and last time? What's the difference, Lord? You know what the difference is? When the Lord is behind it and his promise is backing it up, when God is with it, it will prosper and it will perform what God's purpose is in your life. Let's give the Lord a clap offering and let's stand tonight. Amen. Today, if you have a net in your life that you've put away, a net in your life that you've put away for whatever reason, if you have a, a situation in your life that is barren, if there's something in your life that you've put away right now that you've said, Lord, it's over, it's dead, it doesn't work, God. I, I, I'm finished with this. I'm going to wash it up and put it away, God. If there's an area in your life that God has spoken to you, but it just doesn't look like his word. You understand what I'm saying? He told you something. He promised you something, but it just doesn't look right, God. It doesn't look right. And God is telling you, I want you to listen to my word, and I want you to go home and know your husband, and I want you to go and toss that net and when you do so, when you bring up that net, it's going to be so much. And when you listen to me and you go home and you know your husband, not only am I going to open your womb once, I'm going to open your womb six times. I just need you to believe for real. Because when you believe, it transforms your behavior. Today, if this word has ministered to your heart, and ask you to come forward today and I want to pray for you today I want to I want to pray for you guys today that you could reuse that net that although you've tasted failure that although you're frustrated altar, for everyone who's look at me here real quickly here the altar sometimes is looked at as a negative thing but the altar is where God's glory falls there's nothing bad about this altar some people are scared to approach it and I get it but this is where you come before the Lord and you just surrender it unto the Lord, today you should be filled with joy and you should be happy here today you shouldn't be filled with sorrow on this altar because you're going to allow God to move in your life right now don't put your head down when you're in this altar. Put your head up and say, Lord, here I am. I'm going to wait for you, God. I know that you, God, you spoke to me, God. And I know that your fire from heaven will fall here now on me, Lord God. I want you just to close your eyes as you're in this altar here and open up your ears to the Lord. And let him speak to you today. Let him speak to you today. Heavenly Father, we ask you, my God. Speak, oh God, speak, God. Let your spirit move, Lord God. Fill the hearts of your children who are on this altar, God. Bring them your voice, Lord. Bring them your word, because that's all we need. Jesus.
come to our rescue, Jesus. Hallelujah, come. Father, as we worship you and we surrender our lives to you today, I pray that as they leave this house, that their actions may change, like Hannah, where she went back and started eating because she believed in your word. I pray as they leave your house today, that their countenance may change, O oh God, and that they will no longer be sad because of your word, O oh God bring your word and that's all we need let us believe and transform our behavior